today. Mom, Colin Kaepernick is whining that he's oppressed again. Also, Joe Biden releases his new budget plan. And of course, it focuses on transgenderism and Congress pushes journalists to reveal their sources in the Twitter files. We've got all of that coming up and more. And it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. It is Friday. Happy Friday. While Colin Kaepernick must have noticed he had become largely irrelevant and an attempt to change that, he's come out with a new graphic novel called Change the Game. Cap is making the usual press circuit in order to peddle his books. And when he sat down with CBS yesterday, he made quite the accusation about his adoptive parents. Watch. I love how you depict yourself in this book, not as some big shot hero, but as a shy, insecure high schooler like we all were. I mean, I'm speaking for you, but... <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Growing up, I was a... I think still am a pretty introverted person. I hope it's true to form, and that's just kind of how I navigate the world. It's his true high school coming-of-age story, his journey embracing his blackness, despite resistance from many, including his white adoptive parents. I know my parents loved me, but there were still very problematic things that I went through. I think it was important to show that, no, this can happen in your own home, and how we move forward collectively while addressing the racism that Mm. is being perpetuated. Mm. He took cues from his icon, basketball star Allen Iverson, who he said wore his blackness like a suit of armor. And teenage Kaepernick wanted cornrows to match. He's getting what roles, his mom asked? Oh, your hair's not professional. Oh, you look like a little thug. (gasps) Your mom said that to you. Yeah. And those become spaces where it's like, okay, how do I navigate this situation now? But... It also is informed why I have my hair long today. Mm, mm, okay, all right, let me get this straight. So the white parents who chose him, who chose him, who spent presumably like a substantial amount of money to adopt him, to raise him in a good home, to provide shelter, food on the plate, everything he needed, they're racist because they thought his hairstyle looked stupid. You know what I would say? What I would say, if my my children, my my older son came to me and he said he wanted to grow his hair out into like a mullet or something, I would say you shouldn't do that because it looks stupid and unprofessional. But I guess because they're white and they use the term thug, they must be racist. And by the way, they must be doing racism way wrong because they kind of dedicated their life to taking in this young black infant who was abandoned by his black father, by the way. They raised him. They gave him every advantage in life. It's really No wonder why. No team wants this guy who, by the way, let's be clear, I like to always set the record straight here. He sucked so bad he had already been benched for Blaine Gabbard before he started kneeling and subsequently left the NFL. Now I have two people at this table, one of whom I think might have a little bit to say about this situation. I'd like to welcome to the program both Eric July, Blaze TV contributor and founder of Ripa First Comics, and Alex Stein, Blaze TV host of Primetime with Alex Stein. Now, for those of you who are watching, I, I'll state the obvious that Eric is, is black, yeah. right? He is a black man in America 
He also, of course, uh, is very familiar with graphic novels because he has uh, created his own company, Ripaverse Comics, which contributes to the parallel economy because he got tired of all of this wokeness. Like I imagine you would find this to be from Colin Kaepernick, this revisionist history of his life that he was oppressed somehow by his white parents and put it all in this graphic novel. Well, it's just interesting timing because none of that ever came seemed to come up mm -hmm. until now you mm -hmm. know there was no stories no documentation that he was there was any sort of um uh abuse any sort of uh trauma that was being like let's say put upon him by way of his adoptive parents that never was a thing until well now and it's a little advantageous mm -hmm. considering the type of story that he's trying to tell and the type of person that he's trying to present himself um, ass, which again, I always think this is ironic because this seems to come from people that have just as much white in them as they do black. <laughs> I'm not, I, I know that we can talk about this colorism thing, but that's more than what this is. He's just as much white as he is black. That's not my opinion, that's a fact. Mm -hmm. So for him to be speaking as loud as if he's like, dude, you from. A hundred feet down, people got to get a little closer to you to figure out what the hell you are. Don't act like you just going around because oh, you wanted braids. All, all of a sudden, you you like living this sort of experience by way of uh, of black people. Now, look, I would say this from my, even my own family. Like, yeah, you, people's parents, because they thought at the time, definitely because he's a little, a little older than me. So it would have been around the time, certainly when I was coming up. Yeah, certain parents wouldn't want you to uh, have braids or have have cornrows or rather other other sorts of hairstyles because, well, yeah, to your point, it looked unprofessional mm -hmm. or what have you. I'm not going to sit up here and like, act as if, let's say, that was some sort of perpetuated racism just simply because, well, that because, you know, white people have goofy haircuts that has <laughs> gone in and out of style or maybe unprofessional. You brought up like mullets and, and, and what have you that, you know, if your son probably was like, hey, I, I want to get that or some mm -hmm. like ridiculous looking, maybe mohawk or something. You probably like yeah. ah, that's that's not say, that's I would not say that, that that looks trashy yeah, right or so, someone might say that looks like white trash yes, that's exactly. too redneck exactly right? bingo yeah. bingo so it's not like it's it's out of it's out of pocket to say that but my issue here is is the revisionist history mm -hmm. about it all because he is trying look I guess this is his new like cash cow here we know what he's done with like I think what is it Nike uh who he, who he does a lot of stuff yeah. um with and we know what he's doing now I wonder who the hell's buying the books because <laughs> um, I don't think anybody's voluntarily buying them. I'm willing to bet there's some state funding that's absolutely in there, probably libraries and stuff that are buying those because I don't see anybody lining up to sit up here. And basically it's a self-insert graphic novel of him telling his story of some supposed uh, racism that he experienced. Now all of a sudden he's, what, 30-something years old now, mm -hmm. over 30 years, because I'm 32, so he's yeah, older he's than me. So he's well over uh, uh, 30, year, 30 years old. And now all of a sudden there was some perpetuated racism that you just somehow stumbled across that your family did to you that brought you in because they wasn't doing racism very well to bring in you and to raise you and up until now we hadn't heard any bad things about him it's mm. crazy 35 years old 35 years 35 years old, 35 years old. well he, he sometimes it takes you a while to remember <laughs> just, it was so it got so bad in his house he actually he blacked it out so that okay. he wouldn't have to remember the traumatic experience of being raised by these evil white people yeah. who took care of him well this is where this is what's really concerning about this is also if you look at the way she described the book it's like that he's some introvert so now the whole idea of this book is that you're some sort of like shy victim right mm -hmm. you know that's the whole idea of the book so they have to create this villain because they want this person to be victimized this character of Colin Kaepernick this revisionist history and so they don't have that many villains because the guy ended up going to the NFL you know he was an incredible high school athlete I think he was like one of the best baseball players in the country could have gone to the uh, major league major leagues in baseball so 
supposedly he was such a good athlete, could have played in both, and he chose football. Those are his words. I think he, I believe he said it in that interview as well. But long story short, he has to create a villain. And if the worst thing his parents ever did <laughs> was say, this haircut is unprofessional after all the good that they did, raising you, paying for all your mm -hmm. vacations, going to every single game, paying for your cleats, teaching you, giving you the guidance that you needed to be disciplined enough. And it clearly worked. Let's, yeah, let's make no mistake. Yeah. You came up and you were a successful And it all man. worked. And it mm -hmm. all worked. And then you go to make a cartoon book and throw them under the bus. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm like. It's, it's just the lowest form of moral character that you could possibly have. It really is. I it mean, it really disgusting. is. I mean, as a parent, I'm like. I sacrifice so much for my children that I just cannot even imagine, birth, birth children or not, I cannot even imagine doing all of that, sacrificing my, I mean, what did they adopt him when he was five weeks old? So, I mean, this is, this is 18 plus years of supporting this guy. Obviously, they supported him through college. You, you're supporting, you were dedicating decades of your life to taking care of a child who is going to turn around and tell everyone in the media how you oppressed them. I mean, because it's not even like he's saying it to his friends. He is Put in a book. blasting you yes. in public at the highest levels of media. And they didn't even do anything really racist. Like, imagine if they actually did something racist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but according to Colin Kaepernick, uh, I guess they did. Okay, but I do want to ask you, Eric, before we move on. Uh, so, at that time, was it true that gang members or whatever frequently had their hair well, in cornrows? Yeah, like it, it was a it was a stigma behind it. Let's not be like beat around the bush about right. that. It, I, don't, I don't think it came from Alan Robinson, obviously, but I think it, it, there certainly was a stigma in it. You can see that how it's portrayed in entertainment, and it's not like other black parents weren't weren't privy to it. There were certain yeah, so some people did have 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 their hair in cornrows. But, but I've, I've read some reaction. That, yeah. I've read I've read some reaction from black people who have said. My parents didn't want me to get cornrows either, yeah, like and that, they're black, no, so yeah. that's, what, they, that's what I'm saying. Like, they thought it looked like yeah. they the, thought it would look, make me look like a thug too. To the point that you had made, I think every kind of uh, culture has that mm -hmm. that yeah. like thing that they do, whether it be in style, like in clothing, or whether it be in like hair, where they're like that depicts you in a way that they see as unfavorable, and they yeah. wouldn't want you to have it. It's not like they're doing it out of just racism. Otherwise, I guess all these black parents were racist. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess I get well, they're probably white supremacists too, yeah, to be fair. Internalized right? white supremacy. <laughs> so I want to move to this new budget plan that Joe Biden released yesterday that um, well, I mean, I'll say like pretty light on dealing with the drug crisis that is obviously, I mean, I, I mean crisis that is sweeping the country, but um, definitely really heavy on gender politics. Uh, it mentions equity. 63 times. Uh, that's double the times, by the way, it mentions the border. Transgender, the word transgender is featured eight times. Uh, the word queer is featured seven times. I thought we weren't supposed I'm very confused on the word queer. No, queer is We're okay allowed now. to say that now? You know how I know it is? Because I, I bought a shirt for uh, NYC Pride when I was there because I didn't have any pride. And queer was on like every shirt at Target. So that's how I know that. Really? Yeah, that, that a lot of it is queer. So that's okay. Okay, but if Target can sell it. That's the beacon of what is. And it's not like, and it's not like. No, that it's used not to like be the in the nineties. But with an N word, it's like, well, 
the N word is bad no matter what. But in the no, 90s, no, no, but, but queer I'm saying, but I'm saying, like, but I'm saying black people are allowed to say it, and no, no, no one not, else it's is. It's not there anywhere. No, no, it's not. If you're queer, queer yeah. you're the only one that's but, allowed to say it. or Because no. we used to play the football game smear the queer <laughs> with the football. Whoever had the football, you tackle. That's when it was bad. Now, yeah. now that game, they love it. The kid, the teachers make you play smear the queer, and the teachers are queer. But um, okay, so so queer is mentioned seven times in this budget proposal. Uh, opioids, by the way, only four. So it's good to know that they have their priorities uh, in front of them. Equity is obviously a key focus in the context of racial equity. Uh, his plan, they say, would cut the deficit by $2.9 trillion over the next decade. It is, again, they say, oh, it never ends up being quite that way. And um, it's going to raise, they say, $4.7 trillion from higher taxes, of course, to evil billionaires and all of these wealthy corporations who don't deserve all that money that they worked for. Uh, and the tax increases include a reversal of the 2017 tax cuts made by Donald Trump on people earning more than 400000 a year. He also floated a new 25% minimum tax on households worth $100 million or more. The top marginal tax rate would be increased from uh, to 39.6% from the current 37%. And uh, by the way, congratulations to the Labor Department, who would see an 11% raise, the Education Department, who would see a 13.6% raise, Environmental Protection Agency. Oh, man, they are doing a lot of good things, especially we see in wake of uh, the Norfolk Southern train crash. Uh, they would see a 19% raise, so good on them. Uh, Defense Department would only see 3.2%. Veterans Affairs, 2.2%. Eric's head is already about to explode. So. No, it pisses me off mainly because obviously, yes, this stuff impacts me. I've been entered into a brand new tax bracket as of this uh, last last couple of years. So all this stuff impacts me. And I look at even as me, my accountant folks, and we're, we're always trying to make dollars make sense. And I look at the amount of money that the that uh, the state or rather the federal government is wanting for me and the amount of money that I could spend on employing other people, creating uh, 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 other things that are going to, again, give more people uh, opportunities. And They'd much rather tax me and give themselves rate. I've literally made that exact point here on this show a billion times about them giving themselves raises mm -hmm. as they cripple everybody else. Because it's okay <clears throat> for them and their cronies. They're the criminal organization here. Them and their cronies can do whatever it is that they need to do as long as they can keep reaching in the pockets of Americans. And they say wealthy, man, like, I don't know, a lot of people make over $400,000 by the way, mm -hmm. uh, that aren't, let's say, just just rolling in in dough like that. Well, you because I, I mean? believe Plumbers, that it's 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 well, I believe that it's fan. That's the family rate. <clears throat> right. It was two. I if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, it was two hundred and fifty individual, four hundred thousand mm -hmm. family. Yeah. yeah, but it, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it, it's also who cares if you're working hard and you're making that amount of yeah. money? Who cares? Exactly. Right. Why why is it that we need to give you more money when you've already indicated that you have no no desire to spend it, uh, first of all, in a way that benefits other Americans, but spend it in a way that's efficient. You deficit spend as you speak, probably as documented in the, in the budget proposal, they're already accounting for the deficit spending that they're going to do. They're going to get all this other money and then they're going to still spend money that they already don't have, which again, considering that in the printing of all this money, you are crippling people's, no matter what economic class that they're in, you're hurting them. And meanwhile, as their money devalues, right, mm -hmm. and those people that are at salaries continue to stay at the salary that they are going to be at, you are giving yourselves 
Reigns. This is a heist. Let's call it mm -hmm. exactly what it is. And these guys are the criminal organization, which is why I wasn't bending over my, you know, bending over, falling over other people trying to defend what happened on January 6th, because I'm not going to pretend like they ain't the criminal class. Exactly yeah, what they are. but I mean, look, it's been it's worked out so well for us to have them in schools, right, in education system. And they are going to uh, give one point one trillion in new spending towards child care, early learning, uh, higher education, other social so that's good because it's been working out really well for us to have them involved in, uh, you know, um, higher education and early learning. Well, and uh, you're you're stating some of the numbers, and you saw there were some big increases, but uh, I think it was like the military only got a three yeah. percent increase. Yeah. It's because the military is already like taking so much of our budget. In America, we don't produce anything. You know, this country literally. All we make are bombs. We literally don't produce anything. Uh, so our debt is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We're only going to borrow. So I think it's all kind of fake and lame. And it's meant to just, I guess, give them some sort of political win that they're, you know, uh, I guess, decreasing the debt. But that's all a lie. It's only going to get bigger. So Yeah, I mean, it's fake I mean, and lame. But the impact that it has no, it's on big, the everyday but, citizen but, but is real. What I'm saying is we're trying to look at these numbers as if they're going to actually fix something. And right. they're trying to give us these wins. That's all fake. You know, the debt's only going to get more. There's no, they're going to sign some piece of paper. And now all of a sudden our debt problem's going to go away. So... It's just, the, the bloated bureaucracies that we've already put trillions of dollars into uh, that are very, very inadequate. We're, don't worry. If you just throw more money at exactly it, exactly like the stimulus better. bill. Right, yes. Right, yeah. So right. you know, it, it, and I think it's meant to fail. It's meant to not benefit the citizens. Um, all right. So uh, we've got more, but uh, we need to take a quick break. I want to thank our sponsor, Pure Health. So. I don't know if you guys realize this, but uh, the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were 3.5 times more likely to have heart failure than those without. Also, 100 million Americans have fatty liver, so that's a lot of people at risk. Um, our livers are detoxifying our bodies from uh, you know, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, uh, cigarettes, if, if there are some of you who smoke. So uh, there's so many of you that maybe have a sluggish fatty liver that makes you gain weight, maybe you're losing energy, and your liver is supposed to help you with a lot of key functions every day, like 500. So you really need to help your liver. You can do that with Liver Health Formula. It's an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. And it is manufactured right here in the United States, which is important because there's so much medication and supplements that are coming from China. You don't want that. Uh, right now, if you order over at getliverhelp.com news, you will receive five free gifts. You're going to receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce your sugar cravings. You're going to get four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health over at getliverhelp.com news. That is getliverhelp.com news. Now, you guys may have heard recently Gavin Newsom was making the headlines for threatening. He's like, we're we're not doing any more business. The state of California is not doing any more business with Walgreens because they're not going to break the law in all of these <laughs> states by offering these mail-in abortion pills, which the states clearly have made illegal. Uh, well, now New York Governor Kathy Hochul and AG over there in New York, Letitia James, sent a letter pressuring pharmacies to keep selling abortion pills. Uh, they said, don't give in to pressure from Republican states to stop selling the abortion drug. Recent national events have spotlighted the critical role that pharmacies play in providing access to essential health care, including reproductive health care. That is why we write to you today and ask you to commit to making medication abortion available in your retail and mail order pharmacies across New York state. So, I mean, you're, you are literally talking about, by the way, to be clear, these states like New York, 
they're fine. They already have laws in place that like, they, I mean, I'm sure you could get an abortion somehow after birth in the state of New York and also California. They're asking these private companies to break the law in certain states, in other states, because they, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know how it affects them other than saying we're, we're championing women's rights. Um, I, I want to I pull up. I was just doing some research here on this abortion drug, um, that they, the abortion pill that they refer to. And multiple peer-reviewed studies, studies show women are at risk of really severe side effects uh, after taking these abortion pills, including hemorrhaging, the need for follow-up surgery, and death. Chemical abortion has four times the complication rate of surgical abortion. And wow. of course, I mean, that risk is only going to increase when you don't have a doctor who's right there, who is actually managing your care. You're getting it from mail-in from God knows where. And after a chemical abortion, there is a 53% greater risk for an ER visit for abortion complications than after a surgical abortion. Now, obviously, I'm not advocating for any type of abortion, but who, how are you for women? How are you for women's health if you actually are advocating for these pharmacies to dispense drugs in states where these women are not seeing practitioners for this abortion? They're going to take the pill. They're going to have no idea what to do. And they're go there's going to be an increased risk that they could die when they do this? Well, I think what this is, it, it speaks to the nature of like government and how terrible it certainly is when it's getting involved, certainly in private affairs and has people wanting to take risk or they want them to take risk that they themselves aren't really the ones expected to take. The fact that they're even chiming in on this, like, hey, we want you to do something in other states as, as it pertains to this abortion pill, it's insane. Well, and by, by the way, itself. it's not just we want; we're threatening. Yeah, you. it's a threat. That's exactly what it is. Because we're threatening the punishment, let's say on on their behalf, and that's the part that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, or rather, is let's say that, it, that it's it's dangerous. It's a really dangerous uh, line of thinking, but it isn't necessarily new. We see a, a lot of times where government and government officials will sit up here and like pimp these private institutions to do their own bidding. But it's not like for the betterment of the individuals or the betterment of the people. It's more this is what our particular ideology is or this is what we believe. This is the flavor of the month. And because you don't do this, you know, we, 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 go, we, we take issue. And this is why I always talk about the discipline with leftists. And it, it goes all the way up to their politicians, man. When you don't do something that they this is the importance of the parallel economy. Right. Because when you don't do something that they Let's say disagree. Mm -hmm. Let's say you mm -hmm. do something they vehemently disagree with. Mm -hmm. They will do everything they can to punish you, everything in their power, which is why I want to limit that power. And the folks seemingly on the other side, we look for a lot more concessions to make with uh, whether it be with companies as well as governments when they do act, let's say, in error or act in a way that's ideologically opposed to what it is that that we b believe in. But again, it just. I mean, I hate to bring up this whole like, you know, separation of these different states. And I think they should be nation states a a as of right now. Like, why on earth are, is that a conversation that we're even having where you're like, hey, you're way over there in California and you're trying to threaten private companies as far as what they should be doing in, in other areas mm -hmm. that you don't even you shouldn't be ruling over anywhere in your own area, let alone some other people's area. That's that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, abortion is a tough one because it's become so, you know, political. It's politicized, right? You know, they try to say, like, it's not murder. And obviously, if you give a person an abortion pill, it's obviously killing a baby. And the fact that these people fight for it the most, it's like, 
I, I don't know. I don't know why they don't come to Jesus, basically, or some sort of like come to Jesus meeting, realize that they're actually responsible for killing so many babies by giving people access to this medication. So what they're doing is evil, and it's just that simple. Like, even when you see these doctors, and that's why when you said that stat that you're actually more likely to get injured from a chemical abortion than a physical abortion, that's kind of what blew my mind the most. So, yeah, I mean, these people don't care about the safety of the baby, and we just live in well, this Well, of course world. they don't care about the safety of the baby. Well, that's what I'm saying. So they don't care about the safety of you either. If right. you all of a sudden think that they care, they care about you just as little as they care about that baby. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to go to really quickly here. Uh, <laughs> I found this funny. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, he attempted to have, he wanted to have a telecast appearance at the upcoming Oscars, and he was rejected for the second year in a row now. So according to the report, powerful individuals in Hollywood, they pled with the Academy, please include Zelensky, but he was denied due to concerns that Hollywood was only showering Ukraine with attention because those affected by the conflict are white, while ignoring wars around the globe that impact people of color. I actually appreciate that because I, I said that in jest uh, the other day. That's I, true. I, I was talking. I was talking to, I was on, yes. I was on with Chad Prather and I was like, you could argue that these people are racist because there are all sorts of conflicts going on all across the globe, all across, you know, Africa and all of these places where the people are not white and we aren't getting involved there. So I think they're just doing it because they're white and they're racist. They're, they must be white supremacists, Eric. That's the hilarious part is that the only time they will end up taking, let's say, the opposite position is when it has to. It makes them look, let's say, racist or mm -hmm. there's some sort of diversity or lag thereof or disparity or something. That's the only time they can see something uh, is wrong. You can't just say, all right, this is factually what 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 it is. This is why this is wrong. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to play on, on the whole racial card. They don't get it then. But God forbid you accuse them of racism. Oh, wait a minute. Now we've mm -hmm. seen the error of our ways and we may need to switch up. This is just absolutely hilarious to me. No, I mean, I, I think they like basically pointed to the elephant in the room. That's a big factor of why people care about this war is because it's white-on-white -white violence in Eastern Europe. Seriously, we didn't care about all the young children that we, we bombed with drone strikes in the Middle East. Mm. I mean, seriously, if these people in this region, the Donbass region of Ukraine, were a different color, people would probably care less about it. And if you think, I, if you think that's just me saying that, then why does the Academy Award not have Zelensky? They all want Zelensky. They all want the Zelensky bump, but they don't want to do it because they do not want to seem like they're sympathetic to white people. So. Well, I also think like it, 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 is really, it really comes down to what the United States can, um, what's in it for them. Right. I mean, they've used Ukraine for a very long time as well, a money know. laundering. No, actually, I think they actually do believe that it's probably racist because why wouldn't they want the bump of Zelensky? Because then it, everybody talks about it or they or because these Hollywood people are smart or they like the marketing aspect of being able to decline him. And then now we're on the news and why talking about it. And then they're talking about an access Hollywood. Then they're talking about an inside edition. So either way, it's a win win. That, OK, that is true, because I didn't even know that the Oscars were. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know Sunday. when they are. Exactly. I, are they Sunday? This Sunday. I was thinking about making an appearance. Potentially. Really? Yes, I was thinking about it. Wait, that. were you nominated? No, I'm not nominated. Okay. I'm not actually invited at all. I was going to come an <laughs> uninvited guest to see Jimmy Kimmel, but that's just, it's hearsay. It's neither here nor there. That's what do happen. you mean hearsay? You just said it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it, but it's you're hearing it, so it's hearsay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how you're saying it. Well, I'm a lawyer. Well, I learned that in law school, so just go with it. Did you go to law school? No. Exactly, so just, it's hearsay. Next question. You know what? <laughs> This is a legal. This is a Does legal proceeding. Does you have a law school? Uh, yeah, they do, and it's not accredited. So. If you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta take a break. We'll be back. <laughs>
independent journalists Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger appeared before Congress yesterday for a hearing with the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Uh, now, as expected, the Democrats on the, uh, the panel repeatedly attempted to bully both Taibbi and Schellenberger into giving up their Twitter file sources. I want to play for you. Uh, this is Stacey Plaskett who began the attack, I mean, she was in her opening statement already out on offense, referring to them as so-called journalists. I want to I play for you Stacey Plaskett really trying to get them to reveal their sources. Watch. To these emails. Um, who was the individual that uh, gave you permission to access the emails? Well, the attribution for my story is sources at Twitter, and that's what I'm going to refer to. Okay. Uh, did Mr. Musk contact you, Mr. Taibbi? Again, the attribution for my story is sources at Twitter. Mr. Schellenberger, did Mr. Musk contact you? Uh, actually, no. I was brought in by my friend Barry Weiss, and so this story, there's been a lot of misinformation. So Mr. Weiss brought you in. Mr. Taibbi, Ms. Weiss, thank you. Mr. Taibbi, have you had conversations with Elon Musk? I have. Okay. Uh, Mr. Taibbi, did Mr. Musk place any conditions on the let use the of the email? Let the gentlelady yield for a second. Uh, as long as my time is not used. Are you, are you trying to get journalists? No, I'm not trying to get sources? No, I'm not. Well, I am sure asking, like it. no. Uh, it sure sounded like you're trying yeah. to get journalists to reveal their sources, which is really fascinating for me to watch. I mean, you know, we talked in the last segment about how uh, government constantly tries to abuse their power and tries to intimidate, you know, the private citizen, the independent journalist, whoever that may be. But number one, these people seem very ill-equipped, as I'm going to play for you guys um, here in a bit after I get your thoughts. These people in Congress seem very ill-equipped to handle any of these things. She didn't even know that Barry Weiss was a female. She said <laughs> Mr. Weiss. is like, do you even, did you, did you do any amount of research before you came to this meeting? No, you just wanted to bash these people and you wanted to find out their sources. Why? Why? Why do you care who the source is? What does it matter to you? We have the documents. It clearly shows the government working in conjunction with these big tech companies to censor Americans. I guess, of course, you'd want to, to change the narrative to who was your source. Who freaking cares? You still did it. So let's talk about that. Yeah, that's not the point. It's not like uh, the whole entire ordeal. You had a, uh, if you actually watch it a bit, but. It's not like, for the most part, they're trying to uh, dispute what was actually uncovered, for the yeah. most part. It's not really the dispute there. It's more of, well, you're out of pocket for doing it, and right. we want to try to at least strike some sort of fear that you shouldn't be doing it because, well, it's their allies that are being uh, <laughs> made to be, be looked bad right. uh, with this whole situation. But that's the hilarious thing. I wish they would certainly go after these other mainstream journalists and their anonymous sources as they regurgitate whatever the hell it is that they uh, often leftists want them uh, to say. You don't see them coming before Congress being asked, like, who the hell told you, get, had you break that story? Mm -hmm. Certainly when it goes against their political enemies. That's all this is about. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody for the most part, knows. It's who this condemns. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do with the fact that they are, they think there's some security threat or anything of that nature. This simply has to do with the fact that their allies, the people that, and themselves, obviously, as these, these definitely these Democrats uh, in office, look bad because they're working in conjunction with these billion-dollar tech, tech industries to punish their ideological enemies on various platforms. That's what it uncovered. Now, you can be mad all you want 
that, well, we know that it, I mean, we kind of already assumed that it was a thing. All the Twitter files did was confirm it. So mm -hmm. be mad at, Mad, mad at us all you want to be mad at Ty, be, be mad at everybody there uncovering it, but it doesn't change the facts of the matter. Yeah, it's fascinating, too, because, you know, you see the government talking about, I mean, she's asking, well, were there any deals made? It's like, and? Who cares if there was? If there's a private company that wants to uh, pay someone, if someone wants to pay that private company for information, like, yes, and? Who cares if there was a deal made? Well, they have to run cover because, I mean, everything got exposed. We knew that the Hunter Biden laptop is real the whole time and that we know that mm -hmm. they were working in conjunction with the Department of Justice to censor that information. So now these politicians are like, oh, well, we got to do something to make these tech companies seem like they still, you know, we're actually not protecting the deep state. So it's just obvious now all this is coming to light. And these politicians, when they go there, not even knowing who Barry Weiss is, not knowing who Matt Taibbi is. It's hard to say his last name. But like if she doesn't even know about the Twitter leaks, or the Twitter files, she's not dialed in. She has no idea idea what's going on, in my opinion, with the Twitter uh, censorship. Yeah, I mean, how much do you really know if you don't know who Barry Weiss is? If, yeah, in this, in this particular subject, she's in that committee meeting talking about this. You don't use Twitter, obviously, if you don't know who Barry Weiss is and you don't know any of these. Michael Schellenberger, all these people, they're all pretty well known now if you've even just been on the platform for like five minutes. Well, so it's not even, it's not even these, these journalists. It's also like actual platforms themselves. Um, I want to play who is this, Sylvia Garcia, Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, sadly from Texas, but she is a Democrat, so I understand. Uh, she doesn't even know what a substack is. Yeah. She doesn't know what, she's like, I, I don't, there's something on the internet, it's, call, it's called a substack, I'm not sure what that is, watch. Yet you yourself posted on your, your um, I guess yeah. it's kind of like a webpage, I don't quite understand what substack is, but uh, that what I can say is that what is she, a billion years old? I, I guess it's sort of like a HTTP <laughs> web page. I'm not, I'm not sure what this is. Like, lady, if, okay, I'm in favor for age limits. Congress, presidency, everywhere. This is a great example of why we need that. Well, they're all stupid either way, even the young ones. I mean, look at no further than AOC. Yeah, the younger ones are maybe uh, dumb. They'd at least know what Substack was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but to your point, yeah, a lot of the, I mean, you see, I don't know if you guys saw Bernie Sanders on uh, what's his name show uh, the other day. Uh, Bill Maher. Uh, Bill Maher and him asked equity versus equality. He had no mm -hmm. idea. He was completely mm -hmm. out of his wit mm -hmm. on that. And most of them are. Most of them they get marching orders. I, I, mean, I tell people this all the time. Like you guys read these bills, right? And it'll be like co-sponsored. But you think they read that damn thing? That thing's like five million pages long. You think they wrote it? Like read it, let it on, wrote it. You think they didn't know? These guys have a lot of them have absolutely no idea what it is mm -hmm. that they are talking about. And this is why it's so dangerous that we put so much power in these individuals when it comes to dictating what millions upon millions of people uh, are supposed to do, especially in the economy. I mean, these uh, these Keynesian econ uh, economists that work for these guys are completely out of their wit. They don't know what they're talking about. Everybody's guessing, but we're expected to hang on to them as far as what we're supposed to do uh, in, in the future or how we're supposed to spend money or how we're supposed to act. And when you ask these guys basic questions pertaining to stuff that they should have had long enough time to research, they don't even know what the hell's going on. Yeah, I want to I wanna play yeah, one play more the clip. Next clip. Of, uh, this is Sylvia, the best part. Sylvia Garcia <laughs> completely lost once again. Watch. I'll, I'll, yeah, and I'll move on. And I wanted to ask uh, Mr. Schellenberger the same question, sir. When did you first uh, visit with or get contacted by Mr. Musk? I'm not going to reveal my sources, but like I said, I was invited by Barry Weiss 
I'm not asking for sources, sir. I'm just asking yeah. for chronology. I was, when did you first make contact with Mr. Musk? I don't know the exact date. Was it? It was December. It was December. December of, well, there's a lot of Decembers in December history. of last which, year. Which December? December of last year. 1999. Now. Last year, the 20, uh, 22? Yes. All right. Now, in, um, in your discussion, in your answer, you also said that you were invited by a friend, Barry Weiss? My friend, Barry Weiss. Okay. So this friend works for Twitter, or what is, what is her... Um... She's a journalist. Sir, I didn't ask you a question. I'm, I'm now asking Mr. Schellenberger a question. Please yes, ma'am. Barry Weiss is a journalist. I'm sorry, sir? She's a journalist. She's a journalist. So you work in concert with her? Um, yeah. Uh -oh. Do you know when she first um, uh -oh. was contacted by Mr. Musk? I, I don't know. You don't know. So you're in this as a threesome? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was many more people involved than that. There oh! were many more people involved with it. Are you no! being paid to be here today, either through consulting fees, <sighs> no. campaign contributions, or your next run? This is our Congress. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what's going on through their head. Like, holy cow, they probably all turn into anarchists right there. Like, uh, 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 we see this is who's running the country right now. Journalism orgies. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, just the ineptitude of her questioning. She had no idea what she was talking about. She didn't, she know, she she didn't know. That's what no. She didn't even know what the room was about. These politicians. She's like, "What is this? Is it a big tax interest?" I mean, give me a break. What so, a waste so of time. So you're saying you worked in concert <laughs> with them, like with Elon what? Musk? Yeah. I mean, I guess they gave me the information. Yeah. I don't really know what you want me to say. Wait, did you just accuse me of having a threesome? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with more. I love that they can't even hide. Blaze TV subscribers just want to give you guys a, a thank you and a shout out for being subscribers. Uh, but if you are a freeloader watching on YouTube, the least you could do is go and subscribe, like this post, make sure you comment for all of the algorithm and engagement and all that stuff. OK, all right. You can continue freeloading, but at least click those buttons. Um, we want to uh, I want to present to you the first edition of Dear Sarah. We told you guys that we would be doing it. If you needed advice, you needed dating tips, whatever you need, you can email us at dearsarah at theblaze.com and we would be taking some of your questions. We have gotten quite an influx, um, so we will be doing these over you know, the coming weeks. Keep sending in your questions. We will get to them. Um, but here's the first one. It says, Dear Sarah, I have a good friend, and I was telling her about what's going on in the schools, how all the teachers tell kids to lie to their parents. So my friend said, where are you hearing all of these lies? She's in her 40s, and I've known her for over 20 years. I tried telling her, but finally I just quit talking to her about it. She said, whatever, these kids are comfortable in their skin, so it is okay. I was ready to shake her, but she is a really big girl and too big for me to shake. This is hurting my friendship with her. Any suggestions? I assume you mean the, the belief system and not the fact that she's too big to shake is hurting your friendship with her. But um, look, here's what I would say. Friendships have to be based. Friendships are typically based. The friendships that work are based in common beliefs, common value systems, right? Common morals. That's just kind of why friendships work. And so if protecting kids is a big deal to you and it's not a big deal to her and she wants to claim that it's lying, I prefer to surround myself with people who have common value systems, common beliefs, 
common interests, common uh, interests in protecting children and making sure that all of the, the sexualization and the indoctrination stops in public schools. And I would just ask you to just kind of revisit how important this friendship really is to you. What are you getting from the friendship, right? It doesn't sound like a lot. I, I want to share a story really quickly here. Um, I had a, a, a mom friend. We'll call her a mom friend. And our kids grew up together since they were very, very little. COVID hit. She was, she, she was conservative-ish, I guess. COVID hit. She got crazy about the masks. Um, we didn't see each other for a very long time, over a year. Finally, when she started leaving her house again with her children, she said, well, we're happy to do play dates, but only if you and your child wear a mask. And I said, I we're not going to do that. We're not, we're not wearing masks inside. We're definitely not wearing masks outside. We're going to be outside. It's going to be, you know, we're breathing fresh air. We're not going to do that. And she couldn't, she, she got very mad that she couldn't control us into wearing masks. And um, that was the last time we spoke was when I said, I'm, I'm sorry, we can't do that. And we've never spoken again because it just, you know, something happens. And if something is that important to you, the relationship just isn't going to work. That's my that's my personal opinion. Do you guys have any different opinions on that? Well, just real quick, because it has been a friend for 20 years, this isn't just like a small acquaintance or a short acquaintance. I, you, I think the shaking is a good analogy. I always talk about this all the time. It's like you can't like shake somebody. You can't wake them up to all the bad stuff that's going on in the world. So almost just like them for them and don't even like wake them up to the black-pilled reality. I know that sounds unfair, but ignorance is bliss. And be friends with them for being friendly and not because, you know. But sometimes I think people are friends for so long, they grow apart. Yeah, right? that's they, what if, I'm if, if, yeah, if it was yeah. 20 years ago, she may have been a different person then. You may have been a different person then. But it's okay to grow apart. You don't have to stay friends with everyone just for the sake of staying friends. Well, yeah, exactly. But it's also like you're trying to shake and wake people up. I know that she was just saying that as a metaphor. It's not really necessarily your job to wake people up. I think people kind of wake up on their own. I know mm -hmm. that sounds crazy because mm -hmm. I talk about conspiracies and stuff. If you're not really interested in realizing that about the vaccine, about the pandemic, you can't teach somebody that by yelling at them. They have to want to learn it themselves. Yeah, Eric, you can... Well, I mean, yeah, uh, me and my friends, uh, the ones that I actually would call my friends, were pretty much out of eye on a lot of uh, a lot of like core topics. And mm -hmm. look, man, certain people have certain issues that are important to them. And if it's a divisive topic, it is. But if it's to the point to where you can't like get over it, you can't really shake that because it's that important to you. Look, man, ain't nothing wrong with like, hey, man toning it down a little bit, taking a step back as far as maybe that friend's no longer your friend and maybe it's an acquaintance because it's an important topic to you. You shouldn't feel like you have. I mean, it's your friend after all. You shouldn't feel like you have to sacrifice something that's so important mm -hmm. to you for the sake of of either coddling the feelings or maintaining some relationship with um, another individual. Yeah, all right, I got one more here we gotta get to quickly. Hey Sarah, I love your work. I'm here to ask you if it's true that if you don't use it, you lose it. Asking for a friend. Well, 40-year-old virgin. I actually am married with children, so I wouldn't know anything about that. Alex? That's true. That's what they say. You know, uh, what is it? Uh, law? If, uh, an object that is in motion will stay in motion. Ale what I'm saying is Alex doesn't use it, so he must have. I've already it. lost it. I'm just saying you better use it or you will lose it. That's a fact. <laughs> we got to go to break. We'll be back. An 
80-year-old transgender woman has revealed how she's finally living as the woman she's always been. Look at this lovely lady, Isabel Jeffrey, uh, underwent gender confirmation, gender confirmation surgery in January and says he knew from a young age that he had been born in the wrong body. He also, oh my gosh, look at that beauty. Uh, he also, by the way, was previously kind of a manly man, a sailor, a firefighter, and a truck driver in his younger life. He met his wife at the age of 16, and they married five years later, had two kids together. Um, and when he was in his 70s, he received his wife's blessing to start living as a woman. But uh, his wife has Alzheimer's disease and is not fully aware of his transition. She's like, who, who are you, lovely lady? Would you like to go watch the Golden Girls with me? Uh, I'm your, I don't know, does he say husband or wife? Wife. And I don't know, you've had a penis for 79 years and then you cut it off. That's why I'm, I mean, wow. how did the doctor even say that like he was healthy and fit and enough for that surgery? Well, you go to Guatemala or Venezuela where I go to for my gender reassignment surgeries. <laughs> they, they'll, they'll just lop it off. Eric, help me. We have 10 seconds, oh, help me. It's only like 100 That's a while, but no, I don't understand. Like he's a very old person. At that point, she was like, no, man, you want to keep Maybe it. yeah, it's all about the money. Yeah. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.